Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast live show. Uh, my name's Stu Whiffin and joining me tonight is Cy Brett. Cy. Steve, Steve, and Sean. There's there's lots of duplicate names on here, which is going to make it very uh, very confusing. But um, there's a, a, an array of um, different accents that you're going to get, so um, it, it, it's uh, it's not going to be too difficult to sort of differentiate between who's speaking. And uh, and tonight we've decided for um, a little Zoom hangout. And what I should say as well is, um, if Patreons are listening to this first, we know that there's 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 lots of you out there, and uh, and what, as much as it's lovely that the same faces um, always make uh, the effort to come along to these, um, we'd love to have more of you um, come and get involved in these because I just always worry that people think it's going to be this sort of snobby thing, and it's not. It's really not. And I know I say this at the beginning of most episodes, but it's a, a lovely bunch of people, and uh, and it isn't a, a judgy thing. So you're going to hear that on, on today's episode. So hopefully um, we'll see a few more of you at the next one. We're talking albums today. Uh, essential albums is essentially what we're going to be talking about. And I've kind of got a few questions um, rather than just going straight into essential albums. And if you've not listened to one of these live shows before, I do generally put them out um, into the sort of wider, the wider area than just the Patreon um, a few months after. Um, but what we do is with, with the guests here, we'll, we'll chat through some questions and, and everybody kind of sort of put their their answers together and we'll have a we'll have a little natter and that's what you're about to get right now so i thought i would start this discussion about albums by starting by saying what was the first album you remember hearing not owning but hearing so what was your folks playing at home or, or wherever you was living what was the sort of first album that perhaps you even sort of picked up the sleeve when you was you know rooting. and I'm looking in, in here and, and I guess most of us are at an age that it was probably vinyl um that we would have been looking at through our parents collection um and so I'll start um I'll start oh, on the center of my screen with um with Steve uh, Steve Priest Steve what can you remember sort of was the first sort of album that you may have sort of picked up from the, the parents collection if they had a record collection they had one, but it was pretty woeful, to be honest. Like, neither of my folks were that into music. I mean, my dad used to listen to, like, the radio Capital Gold or whatever kind of <clears throat> 50s and 60s station was on. My mum was never sort of that interested. I mean, the only thing I can remember my dad had 
because he was from Birmingham, he obviously had the first Black Sabbath album. So he probably did play that to me at some point. Yeah. But yeah, they were never that bothered about music at all, really. It wasn't until like, I started you know, getting a bit older and hanging out with like different people that, um, that you know, you started developing my own music taste. Uh, okay. Okay. We'll get on to that. We'll get on to that with the next question, which is going to be, um, so get, get your thinking caps on for this as well. I'm going to ask you what the first album uh, was that you, you bought. Um, Simon Newby, um, growing up at home, was, was there records on? If so, what was the, the album that, that might have drawn you to the collection? There were. My dad had a small vinyl collection and he also had his eight track and all that as well, uh, which were never allowed anywhere near without supervision. <laughs> his big off the floor Wharfdales that are still going Lovely. and all that sort of yeah um I'm trying to think which one it'd be because he had the usual sort of Led Zet Pink Floyd it was all sort of the, the, that classic rock um it was probably some of, one of the Deep Purple albums something like that okay okay I, I don't know which whichever one had lights of smoke on the water and highway star I can't remember which one it's called yeah and I you- do remember him playing those loud and, and what, what, what's interesting for me, because I, I think probably the first albums I, I, I would listen to, would, I don't know, because I would be drawn to the sleeves that looked interesting. I remember my parents had um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and it was a double vinyl, uh, a gatefold on yellow vinyl. And the, the cover of it is amazing. And, and obviously you pull out yellow vinyl, it's like, oh, my God. And But I don't ever remember playing that. I could, you know, it's only much later that I've become familiar with, like, you know, how, how good a record that is. I remember, again, Atlantic Crossing by Rod Stewart, seeing that, and he's got them big kind of psychedelic flares on. I mean, someone's just holding up the uh, the sleeve. To, uh, it's going to be side level. He's got every album known to man within arm's reach. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Is it the yellow vinyl? Yes, it is. Look at that. I mean, as a young lad, I mean, that's the stuff of dreams, isn't it? And, uh, well, the flip side is because he had all this sort of classic rock stuff and they all had distinctive covers and they all stood out. The one that stood out, but I'm probably, I don't think I've ever actually listened to as an album, was the White Album. Oh, really? Because amongst everything else, that just stood out. Yeah. But I don't remember ever listening to it. Wow. Wow. That's the thing. I, I think I, I, I missed out on some great records, but. You know, to, to throw my two pen up in there, my, mine, the first one that would listen to on, on all the time was that Silver Motown Chartbusters compilation like that, that everybody's, everybody seemed to have. And just absolutely chocker. I think kicks off with Smokey's on there twice with Tears of a Clan and Tracks of My Tears. And I think that the, the album kicks off with Tears of a Clan. Oh, bloody hell, what a, what a way to start a, a record. Um, Okay, um, Brett Carter. That's a good one. Um, uh, I remember um, a sort of, you know, in the back of the car, dad, Dad's playing driving. It was always early dire straits and stuff like that. Yeah. But the one that I remember, sort of, that's an album, was the War of the Worlds album. And... Sure the cover and everything. And we were, as kids, me and my little brother were mesmerised by this thing. Yeah. And I played it to my kids a few years ago and they were like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a bad word you could say about that. Terrifying as well. Absolutely. I mean, when Ula comes in, you're like, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, that that was that that was in everybody's parents' record collection. I, I think standard. And I remember the, like, the, being around my uncles for the first time hearing that it was a big family party, and and he had this really cool sort of hi-fi in, in in like their dining room. And I remember just going in there on my own and him putting it on for me and sitting in their headphones. And I think like. I must have just come out of that room straight into like my parents' car was going home and probably just was like, I think I need some counselling, mum. Like, I don't it's know what Watching the skies, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Smash my brain to pieces. I don't know what just happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a great chat. Um, Sean, what was, uh, what was the first album you remember hearing uh, at home, mate? I think it's probably going to be from in my dad's car, so cassettes. Um, and Going back to what you're saying about being drawn to um, album covers, had a Blue Beautiful South album, which is um, the cover had uh, it was like um, a turtle with a face on the back of it. So those are turtles. I can't remember what the album was called, yeah. um, but it was that one and uh, Bad Michael Jackson. They were the two cassettes. I can still see him just in his car, just like on the seat or on the in the little tape deck. But yeah, those are the two that were. I can remember the most. Fantastic, fantastic. And what's interesting there is, Sean, you've just made the rest of us feel really old. Uh, uh, <laughs> they were in your dad's collection. <laughs> they were in my collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll uh, we'll move uh, along to uh, to Stephen. What was what was yours, mate? Um. Well, it's not as an album. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. Oh. Remember it for the eight track stereo in the car, and that was of the choices that were available. Was the thing that I would actively want to listen to, because yeah. the other choices were loads of sort of pipe drum bands and sort of things like that. That's what my dad would listen to them, and so it's like, no, nah, that's not for me. And there was one other one that was a compilation eight track. Don't know what it was called, but there was two tracks on it. The first one in side one of the thing was Snoopy versus the Red Bar and the Royal Guardsman. And I loved that song. But to hear it again, I had to listen to the last song in track four, which was Me and Mrs. Jones by whoever it was. And I hated that. So you had the joy of listening to one, the hate of listening to the other just to get that going back in the the journey. So it was generally Simon and Garfunkel, Greatest Hits was the one that we choose to yeah. listen to because we every song on it. And there's some solid gold on that record as well. There's, uh, they're, they're not shy of a, of a hit. What, what, a, what a band. So, uh, Lovell, I think, I think you're uh, the, the last one to uh, to put your two pen in on this one. Weirdly, it's two albums. One of them I was listening to at the weekend. Okay. The Move. The move. Nice. Um, and it's this actual album. It's the one that I listened to as a kid. I've still got it, still listen to it. And, it, and I love but I only ever listened to the A-side. But, but I absolutely love it. But it was that and Imagine, John Lennon. That was oh, the two what I remember growing up to and me mum having on a record player. It was one of those cool ones that held six as well. So. Oh, lovely. I can love one of them now. Am I right in saying that um, Roy Wood was in the move, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was nuts, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he still is. But, but he, didn't, he never did drugs or drank. Really? Yeah, he's like really straight. Because like Wizard were nuts, Rory Wood was nuts. They were quite a sort of psychedelic band. The yeah, 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 yeah. But no, apparently he's like straight, pure as a driven snow like me too. 
absolutely. Well, let's let's uh, let, let's stay with you, Zamo, and we'll ask you for uh, the first album that you remember buying. Uh, that that was the first album that you owned. Oh, the first album I bought. I remember the first album I got. It was the same as yours, Stu. Yeah, it can, it can be. That's what I meant. The one you owned first. Whether you first it. one. It was um, the first. I I got the first Now album. Yeah. And I got the hits. I think it was hits one. It must have been at the same time. It was. Yeah. It came Which, out just after. Yeah, and I got both of those. That's the first two albums I I remember owning when I was what was it, 83, 84, weren't they? 83. So I was 10. Was it? I was 9, yeah. 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 And actually, I listened to that at the weekend as well. Oh, both fantastic. And they're fantastic. cracking. Like, I, I, I loved a, a, a compilation as a kid. And, uh, yeah. And what does that start with? It's Phil Collins, isn't it? You can't Phil really Collins. Like yeah. Yeah. And I think it's Please Please Tell Me Now, then maybe Double Dutch. Sure yeah, that's the way it is. Uh, Rocksteady Crew's on there. Kazagoogoo's uh, uh, on there twice. They're on there with Too Shy and um, uh, the post Lamol track, uh, which was called Big Apple, the Nick Beggs one. Life in the Big Apple. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, this ain't it. Yeah, this is it, Stu. Yeah, it is. It is. That's the first record I ever got. I know. I can see it. It's literally just to, to my left here. Yeah, that was my, yeah, same as me. First one I ever got. Tracy Ullman's version of They Don't Know, uh, which is a fucking perfect pop record, the, the, um, the Kirsty McColl uh, tune. Like but I love the, 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 the stuff that Tracy Ullman was doing then as well. I think Stiff were, were, were just putting some fantastic stuff out at that point and just really sort of pushing what they could what they could do. And uh, yeah, Tracy Ullman, They Don't Know. Oh, what song. Uh Okay, uh, Steve Priest, what was the first album you owned? It was Eva. I was just literally just Googling it because I couldn't remember when it came out. It was Eva, um, Rubbers in Arms, Dire Straits, or it was Silk and Steel by Five Star. <laughs> Love it. It was either one of them two on cassette. <laughs> It's fantastic that you, uh, at them ages, your taste is just a fucking pinball machine, isn't it? You have not drilled down to what you're into there. Yeah, I'm yeah, don't care, do you? Know, uh, Dire Straits or uh, or Romford's finest. So I, I love <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> you know, it's changed slightly since then. Yeah, it's a little bit more avant-garde now, but Five yeah, stars, still had a couple of bangers, mate. I'll tell you, you, uh, you, you little bangers. You listen to um. Can't wait another minute. Considering where R and B went in like the kind of late eighties with the Teddy Riley stuff, they were like kind of five years before that, and they had some fantastic. I don't know who produced Five Star, um, but yeah, they did have some uh, some cracking little pop gems. They did, and uh, I did have Doris from Five Star on, and uh, she was really nice. And uh, if I remember rightly, chose some great records as well. But uh, we was always like well jealous of Five Star because they live where we live. It was just like every now and again, if you went to Romford, like you'd see this sports go car, like go par this sports car, and it had like a private number plate. I was one of Five Star. Jesus Christ, it's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> I only found out that they were English about I think it was during lockdown. We listened to them, and my wife made a comment, and I said, "I thought they were American." 
And yeah. I genuinely never knew till about two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you've got the <laughs> got the age old classic on live and kicking where the geezer yeah. rang up and uh, asked him a question. This is so fast. Why are you such a load of fucking shit? <laughs> up there with uh, Matt Bianco as well. Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, Sean, first album you owned? Um, the, the first album I can remember buying with my own money, I'm not sh- that I can actually remember, is um, Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Oh, that's a good um, place to start, brother. Yeah. Can't beat that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. But the first one I remember owning is probably either um, What's the Story, Morning Glory, or Spice Girls. So, you win some, you lose some. It's so strange that the the, the Spice Girls thing, it's, uh, I I recorded with an artist called uh, Jelani Blackman uh, a couple of days ago for this. And he, you know, he was like, yeah, well, look, you know, my cool answer is this, but I think my honest answer would be the Spice Girls. And, I mean, I, I don't think they were very good. I don't think they were, and, I, and I say that, the phenomena around it, I thought was really good, you know, and and it was, it was just, you know, it was a huge global thing, that, you know, the Spice Girls, but I just didn't think they had very good songs. That was, that was what it comes down to. I think when you look at, like, Lots of other kind of sort of you know manufactured groups. A lot of them have really good songs that, that if you look at Girls Aloud, Girls Aloud, like they've got loads of pop songs that still sound really fucking good today. Like things like The Promise and Biology, they're really well crafted pop songs. I don't get that with Mama and Spice Up Your Life, but you know, maybe that's just because I suppose at that point I was probably more interested in what Oasis were putting out than what the Spice Girls were putting out. But but yeah, I, I think like it, it's really weird whenever people say the Spice Girls, I always sort of say it a bit like and, and, and Spice Girls. But biggest, you know, biggest band on the planet at that point, you know, you couldn't escape them. And uh, and when uh, Melanie C come on on the podcast in lockdown, she was an absolute fucking delight. She was so nice and was like a real, real good, good chat. Fucking great taste. We were having a big old chat about Kate Bush with her, and uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Stephen, what have you got for me, mate? First uh, album you remember owning? Um, well, I suppose the first one I remember sort of getting and buying would be Absolutely Madness. Oh, wow. But I remember having albums before that. Two that I can remember are The Best of the Wombles and The Muppet Show. So they're the, they're the vinyl that I had before Madness, but Madness was the first one I can remember actively choosing oh phenomenal snap. absolutely snap that was the first one for me as well and studying that cover and going where is Cairo East tube station I can't see it on the map <laughs> um, yeah, um, fantastic DNA show for my essential album but it's not in the ones that I'm going to mention for that but it was one of the ones that's on the list yeah. and only a couple of weeks to go for another new Madness album Yes, I've already got an order with a rubbish title. It's one of the worst titles ever. It's in two parts. It should be The Theatre of the Absorbs Presents Sail of E. The Theatre of the Absorbs, all right. Sail of E would be all right. But they've clashed the two together. That's the name of the album. I did get a little phone call from uh, Cunt uh, the day before yesterday, I think, saying he's got a spare ticket for their launch at 
Coco, was it, I believe? Yeah, that was last week. Oh, was it last week? Are you, sure it was, are you sure it wasn't this week? I might be wrong. So yeah. Me on that. Uh, uh, it was a few, Bob, and I, I couldn't get out and, uh, and get uptown for it, but I think he went along. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yours was the same then, Brett. Uh, yeah. Um, I, did, I, did, I did have a cop- couple of copies of those dodgy Top of the Pops albums kicking around, but... That was the one that I was like, I want that album. I got it for my birthday. I was well chuffed. And there would have been a couple of scantily clad bikini-covered women on them schneid Top of the Pops records. Oh, yeah. Shit copies of, um, yeah, just, yeah, dodgy remakes. Yeah. For anyone that's not seen them, they're available in abundance in any charity shop of your choice. Just go in there, get excited that they've got a load of records to sell, and then just be very disappointed at the fact that all you're going to get is copious amounts of them Top of the Pops covers records and the occasional uh, Richard Clayderman on Nana Muscuri album in there. So uh, don't get too overexcited. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sinubi, uh, first album you remember owning? The first one I had, it wasn't the first one I bought, was Now Five. Okay. They, I've got. We were given a free copy of that at some local village fate for some reason they had a crate of about a hundred of them and they were just giving them out in this little little village fate where i come from um and that was one with like simple minds don't you forget about me and wonderful that's the one i remember um but the first one i bought was wham make it big good chap good chap um have many use uh hands up if you've any use watched that wham documentary on netflix like it's uh I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of Wham, um, but I tell you what, as as far as documentaries go, it's a cracking one. You watched it, Brett? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not. I wouldn't say I was a massive fan, but all the girls in my class were. Of course, um, yeah. But yeah, you sit down and think that was that was really good. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I thought it was a fantastic. Watch. Um, okay, uh, who's left? Have we have we gone round? Um, I think we have, haven't we? Right. In which case, my next question is, have you got an album that may be seen by others to be uncool, but you don't give a shit because you love it? I mean, Sean, if you want to chime in with your Spice Girls record, now's the time, mate. You might have gone too quick, mate. <laughs> um, has anybody got one to hand that they, they, they've got? Oh, Brett, you seem to have it loaded. Go on, what you got? Yeah, well, I was looking at the list. Looking at the list of some ones I put down. Then I went onto Apple Music today and did the top twenty-five most played ones. And everybody's got to own this. It's Elvis's Christmas album. It's amazing. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's just Elvis and Christmas. And my brother got it when he was about six, and I've still got the cop that copy. I mean, it's yeah, that's been in the family for years. It's wonderful. It's a bit. There's a there's a couple of sort of there's a couple of gospel ones, but there's a lot of all this sort of stuff. It's great. I recommend it to anybody. Oh mate, the King of Christmas. What more could you want? Exactly. Fantastic, fantastic. Steve Priest. I mean, what have you got in your record collection that others may think is a little bit uncool, but you don't really care? And don't say my band. <laughs> No, it's the um, it's the Crash Test Dummies first album. Okay, if you can get past 
and you know the the kind of funny memes and stuff that have been put out about that that album is just a fucking classic it is amazing from start to finish is, um, it's like go on mate sorry is the XTC cover of Peter Pumpkinhead on that album no I don't think so right but it's got afternoons and coffee spoons on it but it's really yeah yeah it's 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 amazing I think anyway so but it's well worth a listen to I don't think I've ever heard it it's um, brilliant mate it's a cracking album. I'm with you on that, Steve. I love that album. It, oh, regularly, at least once a month, I'll listen to it from start to finish. Right. That's very unusual for me because I'm at the where I drive around for like work and where I'm at work and stuff. I'll just have things on shuffle, but that is one album that I'll sit there and I will play it from start to finish, and then you know, just sit there and enjoy it. That is that is going to be my drive to the toothbrush and back tomorrow night. I'm going to give that a whirl. And because uh, I had let me know, let me know what you think, mate. Let me know what I, you I think. Will, I'm mate. interested. I'll uh, yeah, and I, I never had a problem with um, mm, 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 mm. I thought it was uh, when it first came out. Yeah, it's a great it's song, interesting single. And uh, and I guess when something becomes so big on that, the sort of first time you ever hear of a band, it become almost like a novelty, didn't it? Quite quickly. Because yeah. of the nature of the, the 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 you know the chorus and it's a you know it's a solid song isn't it uh, definitely but, uh, I will endeavour to check uh, the record. Um, Sinubi, uh, what have you got in your collection that uh, many people may think is uncool but you don't care? All of it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, give it. I mean, you all know my taste. It's very middle of the road, very sort of classic rock, yacht rock, and all that. So most of it. Uh, Queen greatest hits. I mean, you, I, I would. Did you say Queen or Cream? Uh, well, either really, to be honest. But Queen. Yeah, I. Uh, I think it's. I think it's just got everything on there you need. I know loads of people love Queen. You know, I'm not a fan, but like, you know, it's all right. Like, they're yeah. not one of the biggest bands ever for no reason. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure a great hits is going to be loaded with. You just like to be different and cool, don't you? Oh, do you know what? I just don't know. I do like a couple of Queen songs. I like Who Wants to Live Forever. And yeah. that's that's not on there, by the way. No, no. I think that came out after the greatest hits because yeah, that was the yeah. Highlander. That's right, yeah. Oh, and I like Under Pressure. That's got to be on there, right? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, that's a banger. That's a banger. Right. Okay, um, Lava, what have you got in your collection that uh, uh, many people may think a little bit uncool, but you don't care? Billy Joel's greatest hits. <sighs> Nothing wrong with that, mate. I fucking love. Sorry, I, mate, I love you don't get away with that. That is cool. <laughs> I fucking love Billy Joel. <laughs> I absolutely love him. And it's because yeah, you shouldn't ever have any guilty pleasures, I don't think, as far as music's concerned, but that's one I often sort of hide away a bit and then yeah then I admit oh. it every now and then but I fucking, I'm proud to I love it I think he's great he's got some he's fucking... ugly bastard mind like <laughs> can't hold that against him that's <laughs> oh, put me off a bit he can't be that bad he was married to Christine Brinkley I was going to say he didn't suffer in the ladies department <laughs> yeah. no. have you seen their daughters no they've got, they've got two daughters one of them looks just like her the other one looks just like him. 
Imagine it. Okay. That's the song in itself. <laughs> Sean, what have you got in your collection, mate, apart from the Spire Skills? Um, well, my, my mind just keeps going back to the new metal era, so pretty much take your pick from there, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, let's just go. I'll go for Papa Roach because I've got uh, the album signed. So I don't know if that makes it more cool or less cool. I don't know. I mean, surely at the time you must have been very pleased with that. Yeah. Well, I actually won a, com- a competition in Kerrang to go and interview them. And there was like a whole six page spread in the middle and stuff. And we we went to their hotel room, uh, study, and they were just in there and they had like a TV on, they were just watching Papa Roach videos. Um, so, so we were just sat around and had a chat. Papa Roach was sitting there watching Papa Roach videos. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was for our benefit or if it was just, that's just what they do. But I mean, that's incredible. I've got yeah. to be honest. I had, is a guitarist named Jerry? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I listened to it. Yeah. Jerry Horton. Yeah. He did not want to do this podcast. <laughs> He, uh, he was one of the ones I don't know why I'm saying this out loud but he was one of the ones that I don't think was particularly interested in doing it. he was hard work and and I've been really lucky everybody's been great but if I have yeah. to think of ones that I remember thinking I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra Start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You don't really want to be here. That was definitely one of them. Uh, Interesting. Uh, I seem to remember it not that didn't come across on the on oh, the show. Good. I don't think. That's so, good. Uh, yeah. um, not as much as the geezer from Soul Asylum. That was a struggle. <laughs> Anyone else want to shout out? I guess the fault was a bit fucking off. Um, <laughs> I think Dave Pina had just woke up, uh, and uh, Jesus Christ, I remember thinking about halfway through. Come on, mate. Give me a lot to play with here. But, uh, okay. Uh, Stephen, 
Uh, what's in your collection that uh, many people may think is a little bit uncool, but you don't care? Um, Transvision Vamp, one of my favourite bands. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Pop Art and Velveteen, absolutely amazing. Oh, mate, I mean, that's, uh, you know, there's some... I mean, it, it's weird, isn't it, that they've kind of almost been sort of forgotten, really, and they were fucking huge, weren't they? And, like... You know, and Wendy James was just the hottest, coolest, you know, most sort of aggy, interesting pop star that, that that was about at that time. I think, you know, she was so exciting and interesting. And am I right in saying that some of that band are become Bush with Rosdale? I think some I think of one them, of them did, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Really. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that, someone that's sort of been somewhere in the back of my head. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she, it was you, one of these things of she was just too mouthy, sort of, yeah. in a different way from Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, um, but it was at the same sort of time, mouthy sort of mm. female that was just the press got on top of and yeah. sort of buried them as did a you, result of it. Did you have her on, Stu? You had, yeah, you did didn't you? Yeah, over yeah. lockdown, and uh, I I thought Velveteen the song was an incredible track itself. They they released the track. I don't know how many albums later. I think it was called "If Looks Could Kill," and uh, it's it so good. It was such a, and the video was so cool. Had like lots of kind of sort of voodoo stuff going on in it. It was really cool, and, and yeah, I mean, as a, I suppose at the time a, a fifteen year old lad you know, liking kind of stuff that wasn't super shiny pop. Wendy James ticked a lot of boxes for a 15-year-old mm. boy at that point, 100%. You know, very rarely was I buying smashes for a poster, but if there was a, a Wendy James one, I was spending me quid. And uh, um, um, my, my arm would be like Sean's as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was the art watching. Sean's arms in a sling. I <laughs> ruined his wrist. <laughs> um, who's yet to answer this question? Have I been around? The, have I been around everyone so far? I think I have. Okay, right. Next questions. Before we get on to, uh, I'm going to ask you. Um, that we've got two more questions, and uh, and and the last question I'm going to ask is what you regard as your as the greatest ever album. So make sure you've got that one in your back pocket, ready to go. Um, but before that. And I guess this could cross over, but, you know, for the purposes of the podcast, maybe don't go for the greatest album ever made. The album that you think you've listened to, oh, just quickly, I'm not going to go into that yet. Uh, the album that's seen as Uncool, that I absolutely love, I'm going to throw uh, Hearsay by Alexander O'Neill, uh, kind of 1987 uh, Jam and Lewis pop production, I guess, and uh, contains the singles uh, criticised, I guess most people know him for, and Bake and High and Low. It was also my first ever concert, bar the Mac lads. And, uh, and yeah, I, I absolutely love the album. And to this day, if I listen to the Hearsay record by Alexander O'Neill, which I do uh, quite regular, it there's lots of things on that record that aren't very good at all. But... I love it because it just takes you to a certain point in your life and it just, it's just, yeah, it makes me happy. Anyway, 
that was my one to throw that in before we move on. Um, the album that you think you've listened to the most. Um, and I, I guess this could be time sensitive, couldn't it? Because I guess some albums that you've you've had for twenty years, you probably listen to more than albums that you've had for ten years. But um, I'll start with um, Brett Carter. The album that you think you've listened to the most. That's a good one. Um, apart from Elvis's Christmas album. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go Stigma by EMF. Oh, you really? Know, yeah. Um, I mean, it's so different to their first album. And it's such a change. And it's amazing. I mean, at first, when I first heard it, I was like, don't like this. I don't like this. Now, I think this is the best thing they've ever done. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so different and so of its time and so of when I was 19, 20. And, yeah, it's one of those things when you think, you just go back to it every every now and again yeah. and go, I love this. This is great. This reminds me of that point in my life when everything was cool. It was birds and skateboarding. And that's all you give a monkeys about. Yeah. I mean, I completely fucked up my A-levels, but, hey, you know. Yeah. I completely fucked up my hair. I know that trying to trying to literally back comb my hair into dreadlocks because I wanted to look like James. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, was, was the lead single there here? Yes. I yeah. Mean, I, I've got um, a top of the pops on VHS, um, and it was they were on it. I'm trying to think who else was on it. It was a really good episode. There was I think Carter were on it, um, and maybe. And maybe the stuffies were on there doing um uh the uh, the the modern idiot the um it, it happened to me it could happen to any oh, I can't think what that track was called uh, against on the ropes I think the EP was called um but I remember it was because we'd seen all of these kind of like young fresh faced like kind of pop kids in baseball caps in in EMF like backwards and all of a sudden they kind of just got the coolest skate clothes on they've all got dreads. And it sounded fuller and darker. And there yeah. here is a fucking cracking single. It's huge sounding, isn't it? And like, yeah, absolutely. It, it, I don't know who, it, it almost sounds like sort of floods produced it or something. It sounds so big and the electronics are, they pop on it. It's a, it's a cracking record. And I remember like literally looking at them then and just thinking, I, I just want to be in that band. They're the coolest lads on the planet because they, they were all super. Good looking lads, weren't they? And like, and they just looked cool as fuck. And yeah, and then they come out with that, that track, and it was like, oh man, they're up there going. Like, for me, it was like, you're no longer finding them next to Jesus Jones. For me, it kind of just went somewhere better somewhere for better. me. Like, Absolutely. Uh, uh, great shout. Cy uh, Newbie, what album have you listened to the most? I'm not sure, but certainly recently, the last couple of years, making movies, Dire Straits. Certainly the first first side. Tunnel of Love, Romeo and Jumia, Into Skateaway. It is, I think that's the absolute peak of Mark Knopfler's songwriting. Everyone knows him for his guitar, but his lyrics are just something else. Yeah. yeah. Are you my dad's car? Because that's basically what was on there <laughs> all the time. Well, I've said about, you know, hearing stuff when we were driving, because when my dad's racing, we were always travelling in the van for a few hours somewhere. And it was always Brothers in Arms, uh, Dire Straits, Eagles and Fleetwood Mac. 
But as I've got older, I've started going into other stuff. And yeah, making movies for me is just, certainly that first side is for me the perfect, just perfect songs. What was the what was the um, live album? It was Love Over Gold. Alchemy. Alchemy, that's the one. Yeah. Alchemy's the live with the best version of Sultans of Swing ever. Yep. Yeah. Love Over Gold is beautiful. Childhood. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Love Over Gold, and I think the song's amazing, and Telegraph Road is a masterpiece. But as an album, I think it's making movies. Fantastic. Told you I was middle of the road. <laughs> Stephen. Album that you've listened to the most? Well, I'll say my second one because the first one's absolutely, and we've already mentioned that. It'd be Pubic, Pubic Fruit Curve, the compilation of the first three EPs with oh. the extended edition of Fate Complete. So it's just a fucking belter the whole way through. And it yeah. stopped me having to change the EPs constantly. You could just listen to it, 13 songs, really, I mean... every single one. We just mentioned huge flood production. I mean, Fate Accompli, I believe, was flood, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, mo- most of the stuff was Alan Morgan flood. Yeah, yeah. I, I, am I right? Is Tony Halliday married to flood? Alan Mulder. Mulder, yeah. Alan Mulder. Yeah, of course. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really weird, like because apparently, like she's just. You know, I watched an old Top of the Pops last weekend, one of the, the, the ones they put on the Friday night. She was on there singing um, uh, Original with Left Field. Original. And, uh, oh, my God. I mean, it, it, I think as I grew, grew older and maybe moved on from uh, from Tony Halliday, uh, sorry, from Wendy James, Tony Halliday then just went, I, I don't mind stepping in here. I've got this. Now, that was basically my pattern as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, change from when the coasters change from Wendy James to Tony Halliday. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and and that you know that Fate Accompli, what a what a track, and and I remember seeing that on the chart show, and then and then the then seeing the, I mean, the next thing was Horrorhead after that, and thinking mm. I, I, I'm buying this, I'm getting into this band because I think before that it was it was a bit more sort of shoegazy and and and, and a bit sort of le- less electronic, I think. And uh, uh, well, I mean, 10 Little Girls is fucking the bee's knees, and then Blindfold as well. That's the more shoegazy sort of, yeah, all about that really got in there. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Sean, record that you've listened to the most, I think, is probably going to be An Outcome the Wolves by Rancid. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, and most of the bulk of that listening was done at college. But um, yes, yeah, one I regularly go back to. I'm looking at a poster for it right now. So. Yeah. Uh, have you been a sort of fan of, you know, all these subsequent sort of works and side projects and such? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, obviously not as much as Rancid, but yeah, I was, was into Transplants and um, Old Firm Casuals, Lars and the Bastards and stuff. Yeah, kind of followed it all really. Nice, nice. It's um. I kind of remember when um, Time Bomb come out and uh, I'm playing it in the clubs. And uh, and then I never really dug a lot deeper. Um, and it's weird because I know that sort of Steve's generation, uh, Steve uh, uh, sitting here with a Steve's generation of, and, and Pip 
Oh, Scrooge was obsessed. That was one of his favourite bands growing up. And and Chris, who I do our college with, they, they all loved Rancid. And, and and I think maybe I was just a couple of years older, and I don't know if I, it was just the generation, maybe a few years younger than me, that it just fell right for. Yeah, um, I think so. I, I think I'm probably two, two, two or three years younger than Chris and Pip, but um, yeah, it's yeah. the same. It, Rancid and No Effects, they were like the big, yeah, the big two at the time. And um, I kind of feel like, yeah, like you're saying, if if you were at the right age in, in that time, I think people were yeah were obsessed with them and still kind of are, yeah. but their reach kind of didn't really go outside that. I don't think. Yeah, I, I, when I, a few years back, I had the comedian Marcus Birdman ran. And uh, and I think me and, and Rich Wilson, I don't know if we put it as an episode on here or we might just put it out as a bonus thing, but we, we sat in the little room behind here and, and just got pissed and played some records. And Marcus was playing me, it's called, it's, it's, it's Tim, and it's called Something Tim. And it was almost like a kind of acoustic kind of... The it, Tim Time Bomb. Is that what it was called? And yeah, it was almost yeah. like a little bit scary, a little bit reggae. Kind of a little bit yeah. sort of bluegrass. It was it was a bit of everything, but it was really stripped down. Like I thought it was really yeah, good. That um, I don't know if you can see the the guitar in the back on the wall. That's a yeah. Tim Armstrong signature acoustic. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So uh, he he did some he did a solo album with a scar band called the Agrolites a few years ago, and now his solo stuff at the mo- at the moment is under Tim Timebomb. Yeah. I totally love the Agrolite. They are amazing. Yeah, they are You've great. Seen them live? Yeah. Don't that, think so. No, that's one a hell of a party. I tell you, yeah. <laughs> ever come to London? They're amazing. Anyway, I'll be <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Great chat, um, Lovell. What album have you listened to uh, the most? Um, I think mine's probably Beat Songs by the Blue Aeroplanes. Oh, really? Yeah, I yeah, I I definitely say that outnumbers anything else. That all the innocence um erasure. erasure. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I used to listen to it on the way to school uh, on the way to school or no, maybe it was the circus actually, but yeah, on the way to school every day and back on the walkman, so mm. hours of that. But no uh, beats. I hadn't factored erasure into that question. Innocence I, is is the one as well. A hell of a lot of times. Yeah, that's that's a cracking album that is. I was looking at them the other day and uh and I think from because it was Wonderland Circus, Circus yeah, Innocence, Innocent. Wild, and then Chorus Chorus. And I Chorus think, was the last one I listened to really. And you look at bands, same, and like and you look at bands and, and our regular like, records out. I think Wonderland come out in 85. And I think Chorus come out in maybe 90. They released an album, pretty much a number one album, every yeah. year. I mean, that's pretty special, I think, wasn't it? I, I forget how massive they were. Yeah. They were huge. I, I saw them at Milton Keynes Bowl. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. And um, and I think I, that's what I always think back to, that they were, that was huge, Milton yeah. Keynes Bowl. Can you remember who The damp ski. Yeah, was not was not was. Yep, Electribe one hundred and one. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that that was it. That was it. Uh, I loved was not was as well. So yeah, was like, I thought was, they were brilliant. I remember Adamski walked out on stage in Milton Keynes, and he had like big yellow hair at the time. That's right. I remember yeah. he just walked out and he just went, "Hello, Lego Land." 
<laughs> I forgot that. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Good shout. Um, who's yet to answer this one? Or have we been round? Steve, album you listen to the most, mate? Well, apart from um, Three Feet High and Rising, because that'll be the answer to pretty much everything. Yeah. It'll either be um, two greatest hits, funnily enough, probably arguably two of the greatest hits ever made. One is Carry On Up The Charts by The Beautiful South. And the other one is If The Beatles Had Red Hunter by The Wonders Oh, yeah. That, I mean, let's, let's dig deep in them because... I think that Wonder Stuff greatest hits is gold, pure gold. There's not a duffer on there. Every single song, you just think, why is this band not revered as being like Miles Hunt's songwriting? He's fucking incredible. His voice is incredible. Like I, I fucking love that band anyway. And uh, but even like I mean, you know, the, the, the version of Dizzy with Vic was aside. That's a bit. But, you know... It, it, Everything it, it, else is just yeah. solid gold for me. And, oh, God, yeah. Like, when you think of them, like, God, oh, give, give, give me more, 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 and who wants to be the disco king, unbearable. And, like, that's before you get to, like, I wish I wish away, fucking hell, how good's that? Before you even get to the hits, before you get to when they're having big hits with Quit My Shadow, Size of a Car, uh, welcome to the cheap seats, and like, and that album on on the ropes is probably in my top ten songs of all time. It's so good. It's so good. Like, um, oh my god, yeah, I, I was well starstruck when I had Miles on on here. Like, um, what a band! How, and, do, how do you deal with that? Because some of the people you speak to, I'd just be a jubilant mess. I think. I know you've probably done it hundreds of times, so you're used to it by now, but still. I'll, I'll get overexcited wanting to ask them about records. And so, like, and then most people that are in bands like talking <clears> about <throat> records. So it's always really easy in the end. And, and I, I thought he was going to be a bit spiky because in the 90s he was. and uh, But he was, he was bloody lovely. Um, but uh, And Carry On Up The Charts by The Beautiful South. I think there was a, a stat or something that one in three households in the UK owned that at some point, like, which is ridiculous. And I mean, we, we talk again, about... pure like the songwriters, <sighs> just un, unreal, you, absolutely unreal. You look at, you know, I said that Miles Hunt's got a good voice. Paul Heaton, like that's different level. That's different level. When when what, that what, guy, what a gent as well. Oh, what a pop star. That's what you want your pop stars to be like. What a... In, has any, have any of you watched the Paul Heaton documentary that came out about four years ago? I think it's on YouTube. It's fucking amazing. If you ever want to look at a pop star that just gets it right, you know, because he was a house Martin, you know. He was in this super fucking great band and then goes from there and then just... The songwriting, in my opinion... Like, and as much as I love the House Martins, when he got to the beautiful South, he just nailed it. And, you know, even like the, the early singles, like, you know, A Little Time and um, Let Love Speak Up Itself. Um, no, that, oh, fucking hell. What was the first one? Um, Jennifer, Alison, uh, Song for Whoever. And yeah. I'll, I'll sell this shit alone. 
like, oh my God. But Hold to Heat and Grad, that's the name of the documentary. Yeah, thank you. Um, but let Love Speak Up itself, for me, is where he just, oh, he's just, I think that's as close to perfect as you get that record. I think his, his lyrics to that are fucking phenomenal. Um, and I remember uh, I, I read a book about the beautiful South and when he, I can't think what track it is, but there's a line in it where he says, back to bed, back to reality. Um, uh, it's, it's one of the, 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 the sort of mid-career singles. Um, is it We Are Each Other? I can't think. Is it my, my book? My book. And... Uh, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and again, he says back to bed, back to reality. Jazzy B from Soul to Soul tried to sue him. Uh, and I remember reading this quote, and uh, and he went, he said that they're not, you know, there's no soul in that band. And um, Paul Heaton said, I've got more soul in my little finger than you've got in your body. And I just think, and then about two nights later, he was on the TV show Rapido, and oh, Rapido. <laughs> and he was with, and he was he was there with this gospel choir. And he sung a cover of Lean On Me, Paul Heaton, and he out-sung the choir. He just, he just unloaded in his voice. Oh, my God. And then we just think, you have got more soul in your little finger than Jazzy B because you have just... Oh, you... He's one of those people as well who doesn't sound like he looks. He looks like a bloke, just a bloke down the pub. Yeah, well, he, he, he was like a that. bloke down the pub. He'd done that yeah. really well. <laughs> He'd done that really well. And that documentary says he had to stop doing that because he got a bit too good at that. But, uh, but yeah, he does. He just looks like, a, well, he is the bloke that's down the pub and he is the bloke that's at football on a Saturday. But then he'll just break your heart with his lyrics and these these beautiful pop songs. Yeah, great shout. Great shout on the stuff he's in and, uh, and the beautiful sound. Um, okay, what we got? Are we uh, albums that we've listened to the most? Has everybody gone yet? Are we done? Yep. Okay. Uh, I'll probably throw mine in as 
don't know. Alexander O'Neill is probably up there. Uh, but I think I'll probably go with Songs of Faith and Devotion, I think, by Depeche Mode. I think that's the album that I've listened to the most. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've rinsed that uh, a, a hell of a lot. Okay. I'm going to start uh, with you, Mr. Lovell. Greatest album ever recorded in your humble. That's probably one of the hardest questions, isn't it? Yeah, I'll take it till last, mate. I hadn't even thought about it either. I forgot you said about it earlier. Um, <laughs> one of the greatest albums ever recorded. I think it'd have to be something like Either the Wall by Pink Floyd. Oh, or the Joshua Tree. Two solid shouts there, mate. And they're not necessarily... They're not necessarily amazing. I think they're albums that everyone should listen to. I think that I think that school kids should listen to both of those albums for just for songwriting and it's just something beautiful about both albums. I think. And I'm yeah. U two. I'm yeah. like that. I love the Joshua Tree U two. I'm not a massive fan, but I just think it's an incredible album. I think it's. I'm, I'm, but the whole, I'm in full agreement with you there, mate. And the wall to me, I think every teenager should listen to the wall in one of their lessons and watch it and learn how to be a better person. And I think it's a really, really important album. And more, more so nowadays than ever, I think. But without getting political, sorry, newbie, what you got? Greatest album ever recorded, my friend. I was going to go Dark Side of the Moon, but then I was having to think about it. I think it's Rumours, Fleetwood okay. Mac. Okay. I, it is just incredible. What was going on in the band that fueled the songwriting, that fueled the venom that they sing with. It's, and, yeah, every song on there. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with or that. Or Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> um... Stephen, what you got for me? Greatest album ever recorded. Um, well, it's a, it's a different topic from what I'm prepared for. So it's not the album that I was going to discuss as the essential album, but greatest album probably would say Dark Side of the Moon. Probably okay. have to agree with that. Okay. This is interesting. Like, you know, we, 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 we've kind of gone... Um, we, we've kind of gone quite heavy on the kind of classic classic albums here um, I will sorry just to jump in as well not that re-recording of Dark Side of the because that is Bobbins sorry <laughs> as much as I love him that is unlistenable shit I, I, I take it I don't know much about it has Roger Waters done it it's like he's regressed into being a a 17 year old art student trying to do some avant-garde to what is one of the best albums ever made He's he's quite famously a and it hurts me to say kid, that, isn't he? Yeah, it does hurt me to say it. And I, a Cy, Cy Level put me onto it. I did try it. I gave it a full listen. And no, I'm sorry. I I apologise because I listened to all of it. And I actually thought that a lot of it was from, he did a lockdown sessions. And I thought most of it was from the lockdown sessions, which are absolutely incredible, which you can yeah, actually get and listen to. But no, I'm with you, Cy, on that. The new Dark Side of the Moon. It was. Um, 
it's redux it's called isn't it bollocks there's a couple of yeah that's it yeah yeah and there, there's a couple of tracks i do really like some of it's nice but yeah don't and i love him I'm, he's my favorite part of pink floyd but uh, yeah now he can shove that up his ass okay uh sean uh your favorite ever record um like most people my answer probably changes day to day um i was thinking the wall like i said earlier but at the moment i'm struggling to look past um the specials first album oh great great show great show it's weird isn't it that you know when 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 asked about you know greatest records ever made people regress don't they and you know People aren't going, oh, the new record by blah, blah, blah. He's the greatest record ever made. It's so weird that you have this kind of little sort of box in your head of these records that are in there because there's there's three in mine that are, are, like, that are constantly on rotation and and they're all fucking years old. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, Steve Priest. Um, you're not allowed to say Free Fit Iron Rising, so that's, <laughs> that, that's the answer to anything I've ever asked you ever. Um, before we, before I show you, because I've got it here. Okay. Um, there's a band called The Sword, and they did. I mean, I'm not a massive Pink Floyd fan at all, but they did a Doom cover version, like covers album of Dark Side of the Moon called Doom Side of the Moon. If you'd like it, it might be worth checking out. It might, you, you know, you might like something of it. But I mean, I've got it here, but I couldn't dig it out because I couldn't find it. But um. For me, as you put us on the spot, Stu, it is going to be Abba Gold. Oh, Abba Gold, wash your mouth out with soap, <laughs> young man. Oh, tell us what it is, Steve. It's, it's Murmur by R.E.M., sorry. Oh, what a record. What a record. The first R.E.M. album. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my my favourite one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I think. I, I think after hearing, I would have probably been about maybe sixteen when I heard Green, and I remember thinking, oh, I like I liked Orange Crush, and 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 I hadn't really listened to it properly, and it was only through out of time and then becoming obsessed with that band that that I, I saw this little documentary, and at the beginning they played just the opening bars of um, Perfect Circle, and I was like. Holy shit! What is this? And like, and then went back and and bought the full back. <clears> and yeah, it's it's fucking great, isn't it? That's an essential yeah. album, Stu. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it really is a true essential album. More essential for me than out than um, automatic for the people. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Automatic for the People for me has been spoiled just purely because the songs got played just so much. Yeah, I, I get that they were, you know, at that point that was probably you know, the peak of their yeah. powers. Oh yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that they're probably the biggest band on the planet at that point. Like, they, but pe- they were... people find it hilarious that REM are my favourite band of all time. When you know, you listen to you, you tell people what you listen to on the main. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what's your favourite band? And you go, oh, R.E.M. And they're like, what? Yeah. They're, they're, they're my favourite band, mate. And well, you know that because all of them songs from all Mank the people, I would have fucking forced down your ear rolls every, every week. <laughs> the club. So that's probably got a bit to blame for, there, for that, mate. Um, 
yeah, like, and and it, what I love is Harry's voice is quite raw there, but there's so much beauty in it, and I think as they've matured as a band, and all of them matured incredibly, and and Stipe's voice just become something that's so underrated when people talk about some of the greatest vocalists ever. I'm telling you, Michael Stipe is up there. He really is, and I, and I think that he never gets credited as as having this you know this great voice. It's so unique. It's so perfect for what they've done. Yeah, oh, phenomenal. Great show. Great show. I, I seem to like the albums that people don't really like either, because for me it was either that or Monster. I love Monster. Love oh, Monster. It's not one of my faves. I, I I like I like Let Me In. I really like Let Me In. And I, yeah, because that was about Kurt Cobain, wasn't it? It was, yeah, and and I just love that. That's just racket, and uh, yeah, that's that, that that's really good. But I struggled with your Bang and Blames, and I didn't like, oh, no. and I didn't like Crush with Eyeliner. I struggled with that because that was Thurston Moore on guitar there as well, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, on, on Crush with Eyeliner. But um, yeah, I, I, I remember being obsessed with that band, and I mean Monster dropped. And it's really weird because it is like a kind of bastard offspring of everybody else. But I do think Strange Currencies is a beautiful record. Uh, it's 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 lovely. But uh, for me, I, I, everybody I, else can get in C, mate. Really, I, I think it's. I haven't heard it for ages, and uh, and I, the only time I hear it now is when I'm watching reruns of the American office and Dwight locks himself in his car just blaring it out on repeat. That's the only time I hear it now. <laughs> Which is always a good time. Um all right, okay. Um who's left? Um Brett hasn't gone yet, but he's back. He's back. Uh Brett um, I've got a couple of special mentions, but we'll probably leave those till the end. Okay. Um Sean mentioned um, the specials of specials. One Step Beyond came out on the same day, and that's also brilliant. Mm-hmm. But the one I think is essential is A Nation of Millions by Public Enemy. It just captures that time, and Chuck D in that is just amazing. Yeah. And as a as a white kid from Sussex, and you're going, wow, I I can understand. And I can appreciate the shit you're going through. It's it, fucking fantastic. It was as exciting for me hearing that as I'm sure it was for working class kids hearing the Pistols or the Clash in '77. It was absolutely. Like, it, it was so exciting. It was it was from another world. It was like, yeah. what is this stuff that just sounds different to anything I've ever heard before? And oh yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you mentioned earlier, Steve Priest. Do I ever get nervous? Asking people, never really. When Chuck D turned up on my computer screen and was talking to me, I was in awe and I was literally, my knees were, were shaking. It was the only time I was ever thinking, because he don't suffer fools. And I was thinking, like, I've got, I've got to be on me, on me A game here because I'm talking <laughs> to Chuck D and it was trying raining the fanboy and, uh, and, 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 and not not just say something daft and uh he he was he was super nice as well um yeah fucking great shout there brett not not to get too political but Ian, it's sad that everything that he was talking about in that record still hasn't changed yeah yep. yeah it's crazy 
Crazy, crazy, crazy. And uh, okay, has everybody done their their uh, their greatest album? Okay, right. I'm gonna throw throw mine in there, and um, and I'm I think I'm gonna go. Um, it's always between three that are on rotation, and they're, they're all kind of granddad records. Um, and it's either Astral Weeks, Pet Sands, um, but I will always kind of just find that the one record that I never get bored of, whatever mood, is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. And that record just hits the spot every time for me. I just think it's got so much depth. It's a concept record. It's got fantastic like pop gems on it, like Mercy, Mercy Me, and obviously What's Going On. And his voice, the band, the production is just fucking perfect. And in whatever mood, it just, yeah, it just absolutely nails it. And the message as well, Stu. Oh, it. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Massively. massively. There's another one that hasn't changed. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And uh, it's it's an absolute, absolute banger. Um, okay. Great albums that are, that are never far from uh, your turntable. Let's throw some out randomly. What you got for us, fellas? Rage Against the Machine. That was, I think that's that's up there on the essential albums. It's not my favourite album at all. It's yeah. not a great album. I just think it's an essential one. Yeah. Especially but, as we're talking about messages and... And, and yeah. records that don't date. Like, that hasn't dated. That record still... I, I play that now at the club and it gets the same response as it got when I played it when it came out. And, and that's been out a long time now, that record. That's probably 30 years old. And it sounds... Yeah fucking incendiary when you play it now and uh, I was chatting when I had the guy from Taking Back Sunday on the other day we was talking about intros and we was talking about Rage and you know how, how they they knew an intro whether it was Killing the Name Bomb Track Bullet in the Head and I was like dude sleep now in the fire as soon as you hear that and the fucking snare drums on that it's oh mate yeah Rage what, what, about, what, a, what a debut record as well Great shout. What else we got, fellas? Same era, never mind. Oh, yeah, it's one of my list. Yeah, I've got like a bingo list here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, if we, we, you know, you you look at a record that hasn't got a bad record, like there's no bad tracks on that, everything is consistent. But any, anything on that album, and, and there's not many records that you can say have got that. And I've probably said this before on on an episode or so. As a DJ then, when that come out, I'm sure, Sean, that was in your dad's record collection, but I had it when it come out, mate. And, uh, and and you could play, you could literally drop the needle on any track in a club and it would go off. I think maybe it's something in the way, oh, never mind, it is, isn't it? Mm. That's maybe the only one that, because you could play Territorial Pissings, Drain You, Stay Away, you know, without the singles, you know, the, the, the singles were obviously just huge, but you dropped Star Wars. I mean, drain you. I mean, it's arguably one of the greatest intros ever. Like, yeah, that's my, that's my favourite Nirvana song. Oh, what a... The, the, the version that they that read in of that when they played, fuck yeah. me. Like, and yeah, and that, that little middle eight with the, the spray can uh, uh, where he, he, he sprays that into the mic. Oh, fucking hell, what a track. What a track. Great shout, Sean. Uh, who else wants to throw some in? Stephen, what you got, mate? The Holy Bible and Street Preachers. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that, that was my sort of thing. It came to mind because we talked about doing songwriters, and I was like, I've got no idea who would pick for that. And then I was like, actually, that's kind of it. One half of the band doing the words, one half doing the, the music. And that was the sort of the culmination of them at their most sort of spiky, confrontational Definitely. in your face. And then with what happened with Richie, they've completely, completely changed, understandably, direction, lyrically, musically, everything else that changed. I mean, everything must go after it was such a good album for following on, but musically it completely changed. And you just wonder what it would have been like if what happened didn't happen. Yeah, the journal complaint robbers that they brought out later on that used Richie's lyrics. If that had been the sort of Holy Bible too, I wonder if they'd have stayed the same sort of musical sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how that how that done commercially because I mean I remember like obviously when they come out the furore and the manics and 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 you know the things that Nicky would say notably about Michael mm-hmm. Stipe as well like was you know was was you know, such, you know, fodder for the enemy and, and the Melody Maker to get their teeth in that how exciting this band was, you know, and then obviously Richie does the for real thing on the arm and it was like, it, you know, it, it just creates so much excitement and interest around this band that had a singer that had a voice that was so good and, and they just had great, you know, that uh, Generation Tourists, like, that is just chock up with fantastic pop singles, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, whether that be Slash and Burn or Love Sweet XO or Little Baby Nothing, all of them singles were so good. And then all of a sudden, he's on top of the pops wearing a balaclava and mm-hmm. and, and the pop hits seem to have disappeared. And they, like you say, they just become real agitators and it was spiky as fuck. And, and you know, she's suffering on the Holy Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, just fucking great records. And... Yeah, that's so interesting to think that had you know Richie not disappeared, like what would have come next? That's that's I've never really sort of considered that because obviously they've gone away and listened to you know James must have been listening to the Ronettes and Spectre and gone right okay we're going to make this huge you know production there and 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 you know it was commercially huge and it's a fantastic record you know yeah um, in those two two different sides of them. But yeah, both amazing. I, yeah, massively. Um, interesting to see that they've just announced the 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 the, the tour with with Swade in the UK. Uh, that's uh, that's a night that's going to be heavy on uh, tiaras and feather boas, mate. Both bands are, <laughs> are, are, are fans are not you know afraid of wearing them. So uh, that's a great night out, and it's Swade and the Mannix on the same bill. That's uh, there's a lot yeah. I was I was going to say coming up as another mention. Yeah. Yeah, what? I was going to say, um, I saw the Mannix at Reading, probably, I think it was 92, um, correct me on this, and that was the one where they finished the set and he lobbed his guitar into the crowd and it hit this girl about 10 metres away from where we were and we didn't think anything of it, but Reading in the NME the next, the next week, um, apparently it fucked her up quite a bit and they legged it and didn't even get their money. How much of that is true, I don't know, but that's 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 what I've been led to believe. There's a there's a great, I think it's Nicky Wiles on Adam Buxton's podcast ages ago, and uh, and he basically says, "Did you say this or did you not?" Going to Nicky Wire, 
Because I didn't he famously say like um what was the slow dive comment? Like uh it was something really fucking offensive and uh like giving slow dive and hiding. Um but um yeah, some of the things he'd said just like fuck me. And like even he was embarrassed. He was like, God yeah, I did say that. Like it's uh that's a good listen, like Nicky Wire on um, on Buxton's podcast. I'd, I'd definitely recommend that. Um Okay, uh, other other albums that people want to shout out? Sci Lover, yep. what have you got? Um, Madman Across the Water by Elton John. Yeah. It's um, my favourite my Elton John album by a long shot. I don't like any of his more. isn't it? Yeah, and then Leave yeah. On. But there's there's a track on there called Indian Sunset, which I think is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's incredible. And the sound, the sound is huge. Yeah. If you can get it, it, it get it in a good room with some good speakers and it's it's pretty epic the whole album I think it's incredible and I like his early stuff I don't think that was a big commercial hit that one I think like no. um, at, at that point I think that was kind of uh, it, it, you know he wasn't sort of setting the world on fire and and, and, and no. like you say like I, I went and checked that out when I heard Almost Famous when I saw Almost Famous and heard Tiny Dancer for the first time, I was like, "Oh my god, what is this Elton John thing? I've never heard." And uh, I was, I was gutted when that was on there because it was my favourite song ever. And then suddenly <laughs> it was everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, I hate that. <laughs> well, uh, but that that um that that film also introduced me to um, Mona Lisa and Mad Hatters as well, which is one of my other favourite Elton John songs. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, it's like a fucking great film, man. It's a great film. Yeah, I love it. I like him, the main actor. He's cool. Jason Lee. Oh no, yeah. Billy Crudup. No. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a handsome man, isn't he? Yeah. Is it almost almost Jesus? Is is that the other one he's in? Is it called Almost Jesus? No, that he was in another film just after or just before. Oh right. I think it is called Almost Jesus. It's an amazing film, and he's properly cool in it. Yeah, I've gotten both of them. He's an absolute dude. Um, he's a handsome anyone... man, isn't he? He is a handsome. He is a handsome one, uh, fellas. Any more? We're going to shout out before we start the wrap. Just, just one quickly. I was chatting to Katie earlier and asked hers, and yeah. this might surprise you because it's not one of the pop ones. It's uh, Gaslight Anthem, Fifty Nine Sound. Oh, a little heads up here, fellas. Um, has anyone else? No, got you a haven't. Crackle in their head. There's yeah, I'm this. I don't know what it is, but there's something. Yeah, I can't work it out. <laughs> I hope it's not me. Uh, I assumed it was me, so I stopped breathing for a while and it carried on. Ooh. But yeah, uh, Gaslight, I've, I've seen them. They're one of Katie's favourite bands. Yes. Well, um, and uh, they are, they've been announced as... They're the first headline that's been announced at 2003's next year. Fantastic. So, Nubi, can you just hit your mute a sec just to see if that is you? Yeah, I think it is. Like, um, it is, yeah. Um... Well, uh, more. I, I would just shout out as well. You mentioned Gaslight Anthem. Um, uh, I'm just in discussions now about having Brian Fallon on. Um, so, so fingers crossed that 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 comes. Uh, I'd get a bit excited over that one too, to be honest. Yeah, again, I'd be nervous. Man. Uh, I love, uh, I love his voice. I love him. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? I uh, actually met him at the um, Springsteen at Hyde Park. Oh really? In, it was on my. It's actually on my birthday, on my thirty fifth birthday, I think. And they supported. And he walked. He walked through the crowd. The whole band walked past us where we were sat, and stopped and chatted to him for just a couple of minutes. But he was so handsome. 
Even smelt nice. It's not like rum and toughness and sexy stuff. Rum and toughness. That's got to be a great name for an album. Yeah. That's a Pogues album, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyone else got a few more? What you got, yeah, Brett? Got a, few. a couple, a couple on, special Brett. mentions. Um, I'm going to go for Ronnie Size Represent because that was of that genre. That's the one to have. Um, Showing my age, it's Stone Roses, Stone Roses, mm. um, Scream of Delica, but also Live at Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash is amazing. Yeah. Solid shout, solid shout. Wonderful. Are we uh, Are we all done, gents, or does anybody want to... Uh, I had a few quick ones? ones, mate. Go on, mate. What you got, buddy? Uh, container Ships by Kowloon Wall City. It's amazing. I've got... Um, the Opposite of December by Poison the Well. If you like a bit of metalcore, that's probably one of the archetypal albums from the, from the genre. Watch if you like a bit of um, crazy mathcore type stuff. It's an amazing album. And they've just reformed and uh, done a tour over here. Uh, Star by Belly. Oh, yes, please. Oh, good. There's, there's, there's the first press and there's yeah. the 30th anniversary press. Fantastic. And also, last one, sorry, mate. Uh, Iron Sheik 3, bit of a pop-punk glory. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, lads, if I can take anything from this conversation this evening, uh, it's uh, it's Wendy James, Tony Halliday, and, uh, and now Tanya Donnelly from Belly is now at the forefront of my mind. Uh, so thanks for uh, reminding me of uh, the crushes throughout my, uh, my, my years of being a fan of music. Lads, thank you so much for, uh, for for joining us tonight. It's it's always lovely um, catching up with you and 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 talking records. Um, other patrons, uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. We'd love to see you in the next one, and um, I will put a, a shout out on Patreon what we're going to choose for a, um, a discussion topic next time. Um, There'll be uh, many, many, many more episodes that I've recorded. I've got probably 25 episodes recorded now that will be coming your way over the coming months. And uh, and thanks ever so much for uh, for supporting the podcast and uh, and, and becoming patrons and uh, and and you, you people here tonight just being nice people and coming on and, and, and chatting records. I love doing this and uh, and I hope you've all had a good time. Uh, I'm going to press stop, but don't go anywhere.